And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me for this week's edition of In the Pocket, it is longtime NFL quarterback Chase Daniel. Chase, how you doing, man? Good, good. Just uh, barely getting settled. It's 4 p.m. Central Time. We are shooting this like two and a half, three hours past, so I appreciate that. We just traveled in from San Diego. We're in Dallas for the Cotton Bowl from Mizzou versus Ohio State and uh, got three kids in tow. So it's been quite the day there trying not to make too much noise right in the other room. So you can tell this is my dad's office. Pretty good setup, though. Like a lot of my... It's a really good setup. No, that looks great. Yeah, I think there's like, uh, yeah, the Lions one, Bears, there's the Saints. That's the top one. You can't really tell, but that's my uh, uh, high school helmet. There's a... There's a Mizzou one right there for you, Robert. I can't. You can't really tell. That's a Cotton Bowl ball too. It's great. My, my I got Bowl. my mini Mizzou helmet a little bit over here to the left, so I do have yeah. one in this house, just not yeah. right behind me. So I got a Chargers one up. too. He's I, got yeah. He's got everything. There's a at Mizzou at the stadium. There's a huge rock M that they put in the end yeah. zone. And yeah. when you're a senior and you're a football player, you you take a rock when you leave. Yeah. And so when I was there for senior day, my senior year, there was no one else in the stadium, so. I took a rock. So I you have one with rock? me in my house. Yes. So I have one of the rocks from the rock. From the Let's rock I'm at Missouri that I have in my dude. office. That's amazing. Nice. I uh one, I have a rock. One little thing and, that I took with me. Yeah. It, honestly, I think the rock might be it might be upstairs in my old childhood room because I saw like you sign it and then mm-hmm. you like the score on it. We we crushed. I don't even know who we played, but we crushed them our senior day. But that's hilarious that you have a rock. That's amazing. I was like, you know what? I'm leaving the stadium. I cover the team my senior year. It's there. I'll, I'll remember it. No one's going to see me do this. So I was like, I'm going to take one. And I don't know yeah. if I was supposed to, but I don't really care. It's a good memento to have. So, all right. We are going to use this show to look into the future a little bit because we've had some stuff come out over the last day or so about starting quarterbacks getting pulled for week 17. And those teams, both of them, I think Denver and Washington, their quarterback situations for next season and beyond are very much in flux. And we really haven't discussed those scenarios, the the quarterback carousel, what it could look like here over the next six to eight months. So we're going to do that. We're going to step away from the rigors of the NFL schedule here for a moment. And we're going to talk about what some of these quarterback situations might look like for 2024. Let's start with the Denver Broncos and the news that came out today. The Broncos are benching Russell Wilson and going with Jared Stidham for the final two games of the season. The irony here is that Jared Stidham was in an almost identical situation last year when he was with the Raiders and the Raiders decided to bench Derek Carr because he had injury guarantees in his contract that would kick in if he could not pass a physical by the start of the new league year. So Russell Wilson has $37 million, I believe, in in guarantees that would kick in if he could not pass a physical by the start of next season. So in order to avoid that situation, the Broncos are yanking him from the lineup entirely and trying to tell you, Sean Payton desperately was today, that this is a football decision. Let's be clear about this. It 100% is not. This is so they can move on from him at the end of the year and potentially save a little bit of money down the road. I mean, what a day. I mean, like I'm traveling, right? And and I got this and you're like, let's do Denver. I'm like, well, it should probably be Russell. I'm like, because I, I didn't check Twitter or anything. You're like, no, let's do Denver. I'm like, okay. Like, and I saw the news. I'm like, oh my gosh. I even text. I mean, I didn't, I didn't get a response back, but I texted Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator for Denver. And I was like, hey, slow news day over there in, in Denver, huh? He's like, I got no idea what you're talking about. And just like, well, I'm just trying to win a game. So it is an interesting situation. To me, because it, yeah, it's not a football decision. Because if you actually dive into the tape, it, like Russell's played way better than last year, and quite honestly, playing some of his better football in the, in the past few years. 
And look, I know they they've won one in the last four games and on a little bit of losing streak, but they gave they gave Jared Stidham two year ten million, so five million bucks a year for a backup quarterback. Like sort of gave the the indication like what they were thinking in, in case things didn't go a way that he thought it would. And it, it really hasn't for them. Like there's an outside chance they get in the playoffs, but this is all about like protecting an investment. And, and there's just zero chance that Russ will be back with Sean in 2024. Like it's just, it, it, there's no way. It really did feel like they were going to use the first possible chance they could to make this move because they did not want to run the risk of him getting hurt and them having to pay him out that money. This is always a marriage of this is always an arranged marriage with Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. They were put together in this situation. Sean Payton's future in Denver was never tied to Russell Wilson's future in Denver. I think that was clear from the moment he took that job and the power that he was given when he took that job. So I don't think this is surprising. As some people might see the timing and the fact that they're still mathematically alive in the playoffs, but I think they wanted this to happen weeks ago, but they couldn't do that because they still had a chance to get into the postseason. So now the question becomes, what happens with Russell Wilson? If he's cut as a post-June 1st cut, it's $35 million in dead money in 2024 and $50 million in dead money in 2025. There are teams that I think have helped themselves in the team building process. The Bucks this year is a good example. They ate everything they had to with Brady. They took it all on the chin in one year, and they were able to turn the page. The Broncos are in such a tough situation with this that I don't even think they can do that. I think the number is almost too big when you look at all the other contracts they've handed out. They would have to start borrowing some from some of these deals, McGlinchey, Zach Allen, a lot faster than they probably want to. So I wouldn't be surprised if they went the post-June 1st route in order to even field the roster in the way they want to next year. But that you're still looking at $85 million total in dead money over the next two years. I mean, this is one of the biggest missteps that a team has made in a while at quarterback, the trade, but mostly the contract that they gave him before he even played a single game there. Well, it was extension. He's not even going to be playing on the extension, Robert. That's what's crazy about it, right? <laughs> like that's what's wild to me. And it is it is a bit misstep. It's probably the biggest one that I've seen at a quarterback position in so long because you're literally just like, you're, you're handicapping your team for the next year or two. Like, and listen, I understood these owners have all the money in the world. You still got to get into the salary cap. You still got to fill the roster. You still got to take money away from other people. And what are you going to do next year? As far as quarterback wise, you're going to, you're going to have to draft someone who knows what they're going to be picking. You're going to have to maybe get into a veteran free agent on a low salary, like Baker Mayfield, right? Like all those things exist. And that's what I tweeted today. And we were, we had a little uh, group chat. Um, with our NFL Total Access uh, people on NFL Network. And I'm just like, I, I send it to them because all the stuff, not only the, the monetary value and the financial value that they gave up to get Russ, but all the players, everything like that. And I'm like, this might be the worst trade in NFL history. Like what the Broncos the made. two I mean, picks like, that they really? used, those first round picks, and that's before you even get into the second round picks, was Devin Witherspoon and Charles Cross. So an impact corner and a potential 10-year starter at left tackle are the two pieces they got in the first round. And Geno's playing better than Russ. So you think Drew all Locke those is things... Drew Locke playing good as, as good as Russ, which is part of the trade. That's, what, that's what's crazy. We'll see what happens with the Deshaun Watson move. That may give this, give this a run for its money over the next couple of years, but it is one of the biggest swings and misses we've seen at the quarterback position in a long time. But the, what we're trying to answer today with these teams is, what are they going to do at quarterback next year? And this is a unique circumstance because some of these teams are going to have the financial flexibility to spend on even a mid-tier veteran free agent. The Broncos and having to pay Russ and then also some of the contracts they handed out last offseason, they don't have a ton of financial flexibility. So it feels like they're going to need to go a pretty cheap route here and maybe should go a pretty cheap route here. You mentioned the Jared Stidham deal. He's under contract. So I think there's a world where if he plays well enough over these final two games, they liked him enough to give him that sort of contract. Do they just ride with him in 2024 rather than making a lateral move to a Jameis Winston or someone else that would theoretically be affordable given their situation? I'll be fascinated by how that plays out. Yeah, look, I mean, at the end of the day, 
Robert, right? Like they gave Jarrett Sidham that contract because that coaching staff, and, and they told me even, because they were looking at bringing me in a little bit last off season. And then they wanted like, hey, we, we got some money to spend, but we want like a younger guy, but also that's proven himself just a little bit. And you look at the last two or three games for the Raiders last year, what Sidham did, like he earned every bit of that contract. And w- him with Sean Payton, this seems these next two games, it seems to me like this is almost like a tryout for 2024 for Jared Stidham. Mm -hmm. And they probably, the coaching staff probably would have given them more if they would have, because look, at the end of the day, Russell Wilson's going to be a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. He's won Super Bowls. Like he's going to, this had to be a tough talk with him and Sean Payton when he told him this morning in his office, like you're benching, like you're, you're, you're benching him. Like at the end of the day, you're benching him, right? And you got to tell the team it's a, it's a national news story, but this is a really good opportunity for Jared Sidham. Because there's a real chance, like, look, who knows with what the Chiefs are doing? Like, they could easily lose their next two. They got Cincy and they got L.A., right? And if the Broncos somehow win the next two and the Chiefs lose the next two, which is a possibility, they would win the AFC West. And Jared Siddham would, like, be quarterbacking that, which is wild to think about. That's why they're still in it, like, more than mathematically in it. Yeah, they got to have some stuff to happen. But it could happen. I've seen crazier stuff happen. And then you go into next year and you're saying, hey, a $5 million quarterback, right? Baker with what he was able to do, which I think, you know, they have better weapons down there with Baker in Tampa, but Baker's making $4 million. Like Sidham could easily make $5 million and, and they could draft a, a day two guy and a guy that they feel really strongly about and sort of build it over. Or, you know, it just depends. Like, I feel like that's what's so fascinating about when you said, hey, we're going to look at all these quarterback situations and where's the money and all that. Teams always seem to find the extra money somehow, some way. So like if Sean Payton wanted to make some splash trade at quarterback, he could do it. Like they could find a way to do it. But I feel like these next two games for for Jared Siddham, and I'm glad you brought up Jameis because Jameis is out there and Sean's had success with Jameis, but I don't think Jameis is a long-term answer. At all. He's not a long-term answer. It was more who is who are they familiar with that would be available for cheap next year? Because if you're still paying Russell $35 million against the cap next year, even with that, if you look at their contract, their their cap situation, if you cut him and it's $35 million, they're still $18 million over the cap. And they've got a couple guys they can move on from. You know, DJ Jones, they'd save $10 million. Tim Patrick, they've saved, they'd save $10 million. But this is still a team that gave out a lot of contracts this offseason. They spent more in free agency than any other team in the league. So they're not exactly flushed with cap space. And if they want to move some of this money around, they'd be moving money around on a 29-year-old Mike McGlinchey, a 31-year-old Justin Simmons, a 32-year-old Garrett Bowles, a 29-year-old Cortland Sutton, who they didn't seem all that attached to this offseason when he was on the trade market. So I don't know where they'd want to save some of that money. Yes, it'd be possible for them to make a more short-term, let's-win-now decision, but I'm curious if that's where their heads are at, or they try to find someone in the draft on day two so they can start that rookie quarterback clock at some point. Because in 2025, Russell make up $50 million of the cap. It's easier to swallow that if you're paying a potential second-round starter, whether it be Bo Nix or Michael Penix or whoever they like, against the cap. That's how you can survive this is if you get a cheap option somewhere along the way. So I just don't, I don't know. Yeah, First, you got to have a cheap option. Totally agree. I don't know. And I don't think that Sean and that offensive system, because I've been in it, it's very, very uh, difficult system to learn. It takes multiple years. I just don't see a rookie coming in. Like Sean doesn't mess with rookie quarterbacks. Tell me the last rookie quarterback Sean's had. It's been Breeze. Well, it helps when you had Breeze for 10 years, right? Yeah, 10 years, but also like they even went the, the veteran route with Jameis. They, they, you know, they were going to draft Patrick Mahomes in 2017 and they missed out by one pick. That would have been a crazy situation. Sean would probably still be in, in New Orleans if that would have happened. But like that's that's another thing that a lot of people don't understand is like, and, I, and I'm glad that this is brought up because I just don't know if they're going to find and start a, uh, if they a draft a quarterback in the first round or draft a quarterback. It's got to be some type of cheap veteran. Because this offensive scheme and what they expect to do, like they handle all the run game Mike IDs, they handle all the pass game Mike. Like it is very intricate, every single detail, multiple run pass skills, multiple alerts, and they the, there's a reason. Yeah, it helps when you have Breeze, but there's a reason why 
you can't really have a, a rookie running this offense and it, it for for the first year it just would not look the same and it would it would be completely different in my opinion that's why I think drafting somebody in the second round, third round, wherever they end up doing it and having it be a more developmental quote unquote pick for that guy to start in 2025, that actually makes a lot of sense to me because they've done that. They drafted Garrett Grayson in the third round. They drafted Ian Book in the fourth round. They've gone and taken swings on guys in the middle rounds when Sean was in New Orleans. So saying, all right, we're going to have somebody that knows the system, whether it's Stidham, Jameis, whoever, for year one, have somebody that could potentially keep the train on the tracks. And while we're developing someone at the same time, that makes the most sense to me. We'll say if that makes the most sense to them. All right, let's get to our next one here. The Washington football team. I was going to ask for all of these. Do we think that they will have a new primary starter in 2024? For what? For Denver, that's an obvious yes. For Washington, now they have moved on from Sam Howell for at least the next couple games. Jacoby Brissett is going to be starting for them. So this seems like another pretty obvious answer. It really does feel like Washington is going to have a new starter in 2024. There's no doubt. And I, I thought, you know, I say I think. All you hear about is this stuff coming out of Washington, like Sam Howell's our guy. He's doing great. Yeah, he, he is, but he's the most hit quarterback in the NFL. He's going through some growing pains. He still might be the guy. And he played well enough like earlier in the year. He sort of fell off the last four or five weeks. And there's obviously a reason they're they're moving on to see what they have in Brissett because Brissett could be in the conversation as well for Washington. There's a reason why he's getting paid $8 million, right? Like come in, uh, ha have that starter ability. He's played really well in spot due to the last two weeks. And it's just more so than – I know it's a quarterback and we're talking about the quarterback. More so than anything, it's fascinating to me what they're going to do in the front office, what they're going to do with a head coach. Are they going to move on from being me? Like, like I could see a world, this is completely opposite of what we're talking about. I could see a world where if Washington just cleans house, like I could see a world where being is back in KC for the playoffs. Like, like all this stuff could happen, man. Like they need like, and being could very well get a, a head coaching job interview uh, there as well. So it's just so fascinating. And when you brought up Washington, the first thing I thought was like, well, if, Benemy stays, it's probably a different quarterback than depending on who gets the offensive coordinator job, if that makes sense. So there's a lot of different options that could, that it could be. What it felt like when they were talking up Sam Howell this entire season is, look at how Sam Howell is developing. Shouldn't we get more time to see this through with Sam Howell? It, it was clearly very self-interested and transparent. And I understand trying to make that argument and trying to sell that to the new ownership group. But now they're in a position, let, let's say Washington had been picking 17th in this year's draft. They're a middle-of-the-road team. You've seen what you saw from Sam Howell, and you say, okay, there were maybe enough flashes where we could ride with this for one more year. We'll see what we have because we don't have an avenue to a different quarterback. That's going to be a conversation I think comes up a lot when we discuss these. Well, now they have the third pick in the draft. They're in a spot where they're going to have a new front office. They have new owners and a new coaching staff, and they are perfectly positioned to just pick a new quarterback. If they're picking third and we're going to do the same thing we've done with every quarterback class that's ever existed. We talked about Caleb Williams and Drake May forever here. But now that Jaden Daniels is clearly that third quarterback in a lot of people's eyes, the same thing that happened with Anthony Richardson last year. It went from, man, is he a first round pick to, man, could you take him in the top 10 to, <laughs> oh yeah, he's definitely going in the top five. Top five. And it feels like yeah. that exact sort of trajectory is going to happen. So they're going to be in a spot where I think the most reasonable outcome, even if it's not the most likely, depending on their thought process, is them just picking Jaden Daniels or whoever the third quarterback is, stepping into a new regime, a new era with a new quarterback. That is the cleanest way to handle this, in my opinion, if you're Washington, because who knows when the need and the opportunity to draft one this high will align like this again. Yeah. I, when you put it in the rundown that they have the number three pick, it didn't even it didn't even register in my mind because I'm so involved in like what's going on. I'm like, holy crap, like they got the number three pick. So absolutely you got to draft a guy. And who is that th third quarterback, right? Like that's the biggest issue, not biggest issue, but biggest interesting point on like, hey, is it Jaden Daniels? Can Bo Nix somehow get up there? Or is it like, is, is Shadir Sanders even in the mix in a top five year because of he might impress during all these workouts that people get infatuated with the combine, he's going to look the part, all these different situations, definitely. But I mean, the Jaden Daniels one and a veteran free agent and Sam Howell, like you got three good quarterbacks and Sam Howell's not just some like 
run-of-the-mill guy that can't play, right? He's still going to be there. He's still under contract there. But it, it did seem to me like they were just out there like saying, hey, Sam Howell's the answer. Just buy us some more time. But it just becomes so much more clear that they're just going to completely just clean house, top to bottom, start up with a new quarterback, start with a new staff, everything like that. If Sam Howell, who's still under contract, is your veteran answer, and he's the starter in day one, if you don't want to throw the rookie into the fire right away, I think that that is a totally reasonable way to handle this. But it really does feel like things are setting up for them to make this move. That question about Bo Nix, Michael Penix, all those guys, Shadur Sanders, whatever names you want to throw out there, I'm not deep into the draft world right now. But is there somebody that rises, J.J. McCarthy from Michigan, that maybe isn't a top 10 pick, but become somebody you can get either in the back half of the first round or early in the second round, similar to what happened with Will Levis this draft, where maybe you didn't think originally he'd be an option for you, but as you get deeper into the draft, you can just pull the trigger. Denver would be in that situation. If they're picking 15th and they like J.J. McCarthy, for example, that becomes the opportunity to start the clock, and we'll have that conversation about a couple of these teams. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run? Take a nap? Read a book? Show up for a friend? Show up for yourself? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Showing up for yourself, that's a big one. That's exactly what therapy is. Doing what you need to do. Carving out the time that you need to make sure that you can show up for yourself and take care of what you need. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Maze today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Maze. Next one here, Arizona. Do you think the Arizona Cardinals will have a new primary starting quarterback in 2024? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You do. I do. Yeah. I maybe because I want them to. <laughs> because I look, I, I just this is the most interesting one to me. I think this is the case for the most interesting one. When you put them on the list, and I'm like, well, they're drafting two. So if they fall in love with Caleb Williams or Drake May, you're gonna start the clock over and you're going to pick because Listen, this this staff inherited um, Kyler, right? And uh, Kyler's been hurt. Kyler's played well. I do think that the tr- the reason I say yes is like I-, I think Drake Mayer, Caleb Williams would do well there, and I think that there is still a significant trade market for Kyler Murray. And I know you put some of these financials in, and I'll let you get into them. But like that's the reason why I could see them potentially moving on from Kyler. And I'm not saying they will, but I, I would love for them because it, they're going to get a lot of trade compensation because Kyler can still play, right? But did, I would love to see Kyler in a different offense with a lot more uh, a lot more weapons. Like, like put him in a Lamar Jackson offense. Put him in Josh Allen's offense. Put him in like multiple different offenses. Like I think that's where he would thrive in my opinion. They have said the whole time, from the time I was there in the spring or this summer, to stuff they've said recently. Drew Petzing, the offensive coordinator from Arizona, was on Adam Schefter's podcast, for example. He was saying to Adam, Kyler's handled himself the way you would want a franchise quarterback to handle himself. He's been everything we want him to be since we got here. That has been the company line from the beginning. But I think that is said with the idea being, well, if this works out, great. 
But if we're in a position to potentially start this thing over, that's also an option. So I think they were probably open to the Kyler Murray path if they didn't pick in the top two, or he was so good that you think, well, we already have a franchise quarterback. Why do we need to go search for something that could become Kyler Murray? And if they were picking three, four, five, and this wasn't a clean decision, I could understand going that route. But now that they have the number two overall pick, if that's how this ends up shaking out, I think it does make sense to just move on. Because even if he's been fine, it's not like he's blown you away. I know the supporting cast isn't great. I know it's a new offense. I know he got in there midseason. But this just feels like an opportunity to turn the page and start over and put yourself on a more realistic timeline based on the rest of your roster. You're not going to be ready to compete for the next couple of years. And by the time you are, Kyler's going to be making $60 million against the cap. I, I just think that it makes sense based on them having the number two overall pick for them to turn the page, even if that's not necessarily what they've projected. Well, yeah, and it also gives Kyler a chance to go somewhere and compete. Like, yeah. that, like, like you said, it, it. I, I agree. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me the timeline that they're on. So you started over. Maybe in two years you filled a really competitive team, and you're a few pieces away from being really competitive. But also, like, you give Kyler some of his better years if he's fully healthy. Like, move on, man. Like, go. Like, and, and I'm sure they'll probably do right by him if they end up trading them. But this is a really like. When you put Arizona on there, I was like, why did, why did he put Arizona on there? I'm like, what? And then you know, I was like, I started thinking about it. I'm like, they draft two. They draft two. And it's just like, you. Uh, it, there's real potential. Like Caleb Williams, Drake May, in my opinion right now, just what I've dove into film-wise, it's coin flip. So I think both of them are really good. And both of them can really fit your scheme and your offense. So um, that's what I'm excited to see. And it's like, honestly, just do right by Kyle. If you trade them, like, don't trade them to some – some bad team like like I just I want to see Kyler. This is what becomes interesting. Is it who is he an option for then? These teams that don't seem to have a pathway to a quarterback. But the Raiders are a good example. They'll come up as we have this conversation. Are the Raiders in a spot where they say, "All right, our team, our defense, we've got some pieces. Our defense has been playing pretty well. We have Devontae Adams. We have Jacoby Myers. We have maybe a little bit of money we want to spend on the offensive line. They're going to have a ton of cap space next year. Las Vegas is." Where they can easily clear about $75 million in cap space without even blinking. Kyler's cap hits over the next three years are not bad. It's $37 million in 2024, it's $30 million in 2025, and it's $39 million in 2026. That's that good, 30, in my opinion. That, that's fine. That's yeah. not that high. And that $37 million in 2024, that's all base salary. So if you just wanted to convert that, push some of it out, you could have some really palatable cap hits over the next couple of years with Kyler Murray. And this is just a matter of circumstance. For Arizona, they have an easy path to a new answer and a new plan and a cheaper plan. But if you don't have that easy path, Kyler Murray is plenty good at quarterback for you to lean on him in this next era of who you want to be, whether it's Minnesota, Vegas, any of these teams. So I think a lot of this stuff lines up where if they can get a mid-first-round pick for Kyler Murray and then pick a quarterback at two, that just seems like it makes more sense for Arizona, where Kyler, I think, makes tons of sense for teams that are in this no-man's land where they're not going to be in a position to draft a potential game-changing prospect. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I love I love the fact that – I mean, this is – this is fun. I've never really done this before where you like you were like we're, you were like we're going to look at quarterbacks. I'm like, "All right." And then like when it is, then my mind just starts racing like, "Well, couldn't Kyler get traded to Washington? What about Kyler and Denver?" Like Kyler and Denver with that offense and then that running, which Sean Payton's always been infatuated with running guys, Taysom Hill, for example, but now Kyler's a better quarterback than Taysom, but also a better run. And I'm like, then my head starts spinning. I'm like, Denver could make a lot of sense. So that's a question of money. Because if they want that, they're going to have to move some money around to make it happen. If they're willing to take some of these hits on the chin and they're willing to take some risks as far as restructuring some of these other contracts that they have, or maybe even restructuring Kyler for the next couple of years. If you're comfortable taking Kyler Murray, who I believe is how old? 26? 27? So Kyler is 26 years old right now. So if you're comfortable saying, we'll move some of this money, we'll get his base salary in 2024 down to a million bucks. So he'll be $7 million against the cap. And then you try to do the same thing in 2025. He has a $20 million roster bonus. So you, let's say you try to convert that $20 million roster bonus. He's sitting there with a $20 million cap hit in 2025. 
you can live with that. But that's stuff where you're going to need to move the money around to make it happen. And that's what I'm curious about with Denver. Are they in a spot where they're thinking, we have good enough players elsewhere where we want an option right now that we're willing to have to get creative with the finances for, or do they want to go the cheaper route? That's a question only Sean Payton knows. Based on his history, he has shown plenty willingness to move the money around in order to compete now. So I don't know where they're going to end up shaking out. That's also like, because when you when you put all these teams, and we're going to get through the rest of them, the first thing that I went to, because I was a veteran free agent quarterback that was constantly looking at this situation of where teams fall, who needs people, what team am I going to be on? It's like, the, so the free agent quarterbacks for 2024, like Kirk Cousins, we'll get to Minnesota next. Ryan Tannehill, Jacoby Brissett's out there. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, Sam Darnold to me is an interesting name. Like Baker's probably not going anywhere. Gardner Minshew, Jake Browning's been playing well. Joe Flacco, Drew Locke. So like, yeah, there are a lot of draft worthy guys, but that that's where my mind goes. And it's probably not going to be in Arizona because you have Kyler, you don't need that. But some of these other teams, like there's going to be a decent amount of free agent quarterbacks that have shown they can play like get a chance man and that's what's that's what's exciting about it so let's get to the guy at the top of that free agent list and let's talk about the vikings do you think the vikings will have a different primary starting quarterback in 2024 than they started week one with this year no i don't think so either i don't i don't see them i don't see them moving on from kirk man like it it like hypothetically you could say oh yeah you know whatever it seems to me like Kirk and KOC, Kevin O'Connell, have sort of mended, sort of figured out what each other is. And not mended fences because they were never – but it's like they sort of fi- finally figured out. And unfortunately, like Kirk got hurt. He's playing good ball. He's just so underrated. Like people love to give him such a bad rap because he's not the flashiest guy. But he just constantly – like look at his numbers. Look at his win. Like, yeah, I get the primetime debate. I get the, the, the playoff game debate. It is freaking hard to find a quarterback in this league. And I just can't tell you right now that there's 15 to 16 better quarterbacks in this league than Kirk Cousins. And so Especially you look with like, the way he was playing earlier this year in that offense. Right, right. And so it, I just don't – there's just no – it doesn't make sense to me to to move on because you're just – you're you're going to – Minnesota, I think, is set up for success. Like of all these teams you place, like they are the team that is probably the best team on this list that we're going to go through – um, and so that to me is like, why would you change? Like, it's not grass isn't always greener on the other side. You're you're gonna set your franchise back if you go with a rookie. If you want to go with another veteran free agent quarterback or a trade, who's it gonna be? They're not better than anyone I just named on that list. So I just I think they they stay put. I also think that Kirk Cousins will be there next year, and I did not think that this summer, but with the way that he was playing, and also with what he might ask for this offseason after coming off the injury and the lack of opportunities and landing spots with some of these teams that we're talking about. If there were a bunch of teams in a position like the Saints were this offseason where they thought, they thought, hey, if we get the quarterback right, we're close. We can compete right now. Then I think Kirk Cousins would have a pretty robust market because he is a really good quarterback. He has been playing very good football. You could talk yourself into that. I don't know how many teams are in that position. I think Atlanta may be able to have that conversation with themselves. I don't think they're going to go that route in terms of how expensive Kirk Cousins would likely be. So in my mind, I think the ideal outcome for Minnesota is keeping Kirk Cousins on a reasonable deal. Okay, You throw some void years on it, keep his cap hits down in the 20 to $30 million range, let's say over the next two years, and you draft a guy. I think their ideal model is for them to draft a quarterback that they think is their future starter, but not play him right away to be able to be competitive in the short term while also planning for the future. So if they're picking in the middle of the first round, that list of guys that we talked about, the McCarthy's, the Penix's, the Bo Nix's, whatever, do they try to find that guy while also paying Kirk Cousins? I think that is the formula they'd like to chase. And I think that they are in a position to potentially do that based on how Kirk's season went, based on the O'Connell relationship you talked about, and based on how they like all the stuff to unfold. Yeah, I think it's smart. I think it's I think that's good. And especially that they they're probably going to be picking middle round. And there are there's some good value. But also like that's the thing. Like if you do, if the guy isn't there, 
in the middle of the round, first round that you that you love, you don't have to pick a guy. Like I just take like all these quarterbacks are found in all different rounds. If you have your eye on something and your guy isn't there that you just felt you don't have to reach because you do have a Kirk Cousins for the next year or two or three, and you can pick the best available in the first round or your biggest need. You don't have to reach on a quarterback. Kyler Murray is an intriguing destination or is an intriguing option for them just because I do think that the rest of their offense is good enough where if you drop a good quarterback in there, they can do some fun stuff. I think the way that they've spent money and the way that they're going to spend money, Christian Derrissaw is going to need an extension here pretty soon. Justin Jefferson is going to become the highest paid highest paid non-quarterback in the league sooner rather than later. So they're going to pre-spend the rookie quarterback window in a way that a team like Pittsburgh did, for example, where they have Kenny Pickett that they've dropped in because they have so many other expensive veterans that that was the smartest way to build the roster. I don't think you can commit for the next three, four, five years to an expensive quarterback based on the way that you've built the rest of this thing. Maybe in the short term, in 2024 and 2025, when that Darisaw hit and that Justin Jefferson hit are still relatively low. But I think at some point over the next three, four years, you want to get on the rookie quarterback financial timeline, but you can do that if you have Kirk for a year or two. So again, I think that combination would make the most sense for them specifically. What What do you think? Uh, what do you think the Kirk? That, so I agree. I agree with what you're saying. What do you think the Kirk Cousins contract looks like? Do you that's think about, it's well, a, that's about Kirk? Do you think it's about? Do you think like I could imagine like a two year, eighty million, fully guaranteed because that's all he seems to get there. But like that to me, Matthew Stafford ish level, right? Forty million a year. Like if they could get him for that coming off injury and you say, Hey, we got two good years at it. This will put you in the top 10 paid quarterbacks or right at 10, whatever, whatever the number is. It just keeps going up. It's crazy. But like, think about that. The dude just keeps getting paid rightfully. So, and it's going to be, it'll be an all guaranteed. Cause that's just what they, the president that they set, but that's what I'm interested about. Like, what do you think the cousins contract will look like? So he did one year 35 on his recent extension. So I think that you try to have an honest conversation with him about it. Be like, listen, I know that you've set this marker. This is the type of player that you are. Can we do two years 60, right? And you get it all guaranteed. We throw four void years on there just to make it a little bit more palatable. But they have shown a willingness to structure it in a way to hopefully keep those cap hits, again, palatable, where you can I build just think, the rest I don't of the think roster. That ha- I, don't th- I don't think he says yes to that. I don't, I don't think, think so either. Yes, I don't think so either. Because he's going to get, you know what I mean? Can, people would love to have Kirk Cousins. And he he doesn't, he doesn't but owe do Minnesota anything. But do you think that's true? I, yeah. I, he doesn't owe Minnesota anything. And him and his agent have shown a willingness to get every dime. And I respect them for that. Every dime. But do you think that there is going to be a big enough market for him where he can just give them the finger if, it, if that's, that's what they the offer thing. him? It, does, it doesn't have to be a big market, bro. There has to be one team. That's leverage. Well, two, yeah, two, one, two one teams team. total. Yeah, yeah. So Minnesota, there's be I just one other who team. That other team is going to be. You're, you're, you are worth what someone's willing to pay. So if someone puts a two-year, eighty-five, eighty million dollar contract, and you say, "Hey, you know what? You're a top ten quarterback. I'm going to pay you like a top ten quarterback." They don't have to have a huge market. There has to be one other team, and his agent has to have leverage. That's the name of the game in contract negotiations. You know that. So all it takes is one, one team, uh, a Washington. Or even a New England, if some someone gets that job that loves Kirk Cousins and a Kirk Cousins fan and runs that offense, like hell yeah, we can bring him and get we can get three years out of him. Like he's just he's not even forty yet. So like that's what's interesting to me. I think he's going to get in that eighty-ish range for two years because I do think there's going to be someone else. You know, because it just comes back and you know this. And I'm really there will be someone else. There's going to be someone else. And quarterback play in the NFL, it's so freaking hard, dude. And when you have someone that does it at an extremely high level, which make no mistake about it, he does it at an extremely high level, you're going to get paid. Like that's that, that you, you, you put out on the field what your product is. If your product is top 10 in the NFL and with TV revenue, with everything going, it's going to be over 40 a year. He's, he's going to, he's, he would laugh in the face of the GM and Kevin O'Connell, if they came to him and said, Hey, you know what? Two years 60. He'd be like, see you later. Like, You're probably no right. way. 
I, like, there's no the reason I, it's the only coming off the Achilles is like the reason that I say that because I thought him playing the way that he was earlier in the season, I kept saying it's going to start at the car contract. That, that was what his market is going to be. Even though he's a few years older, that's what it's going to be. And the car deal was four for 150. It's 37 and a half million. So that 40 million that you're talking about, I think that's exactly the ballpark. So it, that very well may be that. And we'll see if Minnesota is willing to go to that place based on where they are right now. It's going to be a fascinating conversation because I absolutely understand them looking around and saying, with the way that he was playing, with how well he knows this offense, with the steps and the progress that he made, with some of the intricacies of the offense and some of the pre-snap stuff, everything. I get landing on that as your best option. I still think even if that happens, it's a short-term thing and they are going to try to find some sort of cheap answer in the draft, whether it be in the first round this year, the second round this year, or next year. Next team here, the New England Patriots. Do we think they will have a different primary starter in 2024? They better. They better. <laughs> they have one now. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. When you put this is probably the team I just don't even care. The, like, this sounds so bad. I just like, it's just been so, they've been boring to watch. And I've watched them on offense this year. And I've just gotten so burned out of Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. And look, it was, I was very vocal about, how do I how do I how do I word this without sounding disrespectful? Look, Bill Belichick, the head coach, he's gonna go down as the greatest, probably the greatest of all time to ever do it. Now, Bill Belichick, the GM, that's a different story. You go into possibly your last year as a New England Patriots head coach, and you decide that it's a good idea to go in with Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi as your two starters like what did you do you want to like tank do you want to like not win games your defense is not good enough you don't have enough good uh players on offense like these these receivers are getting hemmed up man they're just playing all man against them they can't win so so yeah yeah, in a, in the nicest way that yes, they better they better be a new starter there in 2024. And I think there will be. But now the question is, who's it going to be and how are they going to find that guy? This is the team that over the last however many weeks, they were the ones that could talk themselves into how shitty this season was going because they could say, "Well, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we're going to have one of the top 2 picks in the draft. We're going to get one of these two guys, and that puts us in a position where even though this is painful, the pain is ultimately going to be worth it at the end. Well, now they're picking fourth. And if Arizona ultimately does decide to trade Kyler Murray and go in a different direction, then New England is going to be the team that doesn't have a dance partner at the end of this. They're going to be the one that is picking in the top five and doesn't have a pathway to one of these primetime prospects that we're talking about. And they're not in a position with the rest of the roster, especially on offense, in my opinion, at least, to go get a mid-tier veteran free agent and compete, but that might be the only option that they have. It is their only option. And and that's why mo mainly when I saw New England on the list, I was like, all right, what are the free agent quarterbacks? The the people I like there, which I think like could could make a uh, a difference, is I, I I would love to see okay, I would love to see Jacoby Brissett go back there. Because the dude has earned he he's gotten such not a bad rap, but he just really hasn't had a chance to play. And like I think he would be a perfect bridge guy. You draft a guy in the second or third round that you like. And honestly, like all this is so much like okay, it it, it really depends who gets the the head coaching job there because totally. I just don't think Bill Belichick and a lot of these new head coaches with these because they are going to need a bridge guy. I I, I agree with you one hundred percent on that. It's just who that bridge guy is and who fits the offensive scheme of the play caller, right? And so that's the biggest thing. And so like a Jacoby Brissett um a Marcus Mariota type guy who can just sort of just wing it around and maybe you just uh like run this type of offense till the rookie's ready to play that you draft or a second round guy but eventually I think what happens th through the year is whoever they draft whether it be second or third round like that that guy will probably end up playing and it's just going to be a rebuild retool year but I like like a Jacoby Brissett a Marcus Mariota even like a Jameis Winston, like I, I think Jameis Winston at this point in his career would go up there and be like, hey, like I still got a lot of ball. I think that I can play like and you can get me for cheap. I just want a chance to play. I think that's what part of the career Jameis Winston's at right now. 
it's also such a big question of who's the who's the front office going to be, who's in charge there, what type of offense are they going to run? There's just so many question marks with where they sit. And listen, maybe Arizona doesn't end up drafting a quarterback. Maybe they roll with Kyle Murray, and New England is one of those teams that says, "Okay, we're already at four. We might as well trade up to two and have this be the draft where we come away from one of these guys because you never know if you're going to be drafting that high again." So how that ends up shaking out and what the Cardinals end up doing, they hold a lot of cards having that second overall pick if that's ultimately how it ends up. So, But the New England situation is fascinating. If they can't be in a position to draft one of these guys, what do they end up doing? And I think one of those stopgap options that you're talking about is probably the best option no matter who ends up taking over there. And I think Jacoby Percet is probably the best one that's going to emerge for that price, right? There's another guy we'll talk about here in a second that I think is between the Jacoby Brissett $8 million range and the Kirk Cousins $40 million range, I don't know if that's ultimately the direction they want to go. If they're punting on the position, do they just want to go cheap? And that's a question we won't know the answer to until we understand who's taking this thing over and who's making these decisions. Next one here. We don't have to spend a ton of time on this because we spent a lot of time on it a couple weeks ago. Chicago Bears. Do you think that they will have a new primary starter in 2024? I mean, probably, yeah. Even though I don't want them to. I think they will. It's just too it's too good of an opportunity to pass up. And I've made my case, and we talked about it a forty five minute conversation last show. The more I just like look, read between the lines, the more I hear, the more I, yeah. I mean, I, I do. I, I I think they will. Even though I think I think Justin can still play, you know, and 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 maybe it's something where you, um, I don't know if you necessarily even if they draft a guy at quarterback at one, which I'm leaning toward, they probably will. I don't think you trade Justin, and we've had this conversation. Uh, like, even though it's good, I, I if you're you're one play away from being a desolate franchise once again, and just not playing any quarterback at least, at least if the guy were to get hurt or something didn't go your way, you have a backup. I think that they should trade him if they end up picking a quarterback because I think he will have some value. Do you uh, think, I think they're, they're going to have a new starter? I do. I do. I think that they will use the number one pick if they get it. It seems like they will on a quarterback. And I think it it makes sense. We've talked about this. It makes sense to me. This is similar to the Arizona situation where, okay, if you don't have the number one pick in the draft or one of the top two picks in the draft and Justin Fields is playing the way that he's playing, fine. Roll with him. Let's see what you can do as you keep building this team around him. You got a couple top 10 picks. You can pick another receiver potentially. You can pick a left tackle potentially. You create this offense that has a really good supporting cast. What can he do in that? And if that's the situation that they were in, I could, that's fine with me. But this is a unique opportunity, having the number one overall pick and getting to turn the page and drafting a guy who in Caleb Williams or Drake May is considered the type of prospect they are. But now... And everyone on that list that we've talked about should be in the exactly Justin Fields. Exactly. Every so single then one what happens? If you're in New England and you're left in that middle ground where you think, okay, we don't have a pathway to a top five quarterback... Okay, let's roll with Justin Fields. And th- this is, I think, what people are going to get missed, mixed up over the next six months as we're having this discussion about Fields and where he belongs, whether the Bears should draft a quarterback. Me saying the Bears should move on and draft a quarterback at number one doesn't mean Justin Fields isn't a viable starter in the right situation in the NFL. Totally, it just I means totally the Bears do. have a pathway they can take that other teams don't. So if you're a team that's between a rock and a hard place, if you pan yourself into a corner, whatever metaphor you want to use, he does feel like we're going to use the third one, like a good rip cord for you to be able to pull. I think New England's in that conversation. I think that the the Raiders are potentially in that conversation. He's going to be a worthwhile answer. I don't think Atlanta's going to be in there. That's the one team that I think it makes sense on a football level. I don't think they'll do it. But the Raiders, New England, some of these other teams, I absolutely think they should be looking at him as a potential solution if they don't have a better answer or a better place to turn. I'm glad we both agree on that. Atlanta. Do you think the Atlanta Falcons will have a new primary starter in 2024? Yes, I do. Absolutely. And where do you think that they should look for that guy? It's gotta be it's gotta be a veteran free agent market, right? I mean, like what are they what are they picking right now? They're picking just outside I mean, the top ten. Yeah, so they're they're not getting the guy that they love. I mean, you you go back to they're I mean, picking the tenth right now. If it were to, if the draft were to happen today, they'd be picking tenth. So you're not. I mean, I don't think there's anyone you fall in love with the draft that high. The second it's guy the on same my free as this year. List, it's the same as the 2023 draft. 
where, okay, you can talk, all right, maybe we'll trade up. Well, if the top three quarterbacks go with three of the first four picks, then you don't have an option to do that. Um, my top, and I know you have it in here, but my second free agent quarterback, just that I was list, I was going through listing teams is Ryan Tannehill. Like Tannehill makes some sense, right? And it makes all the uh, sense of the world. He played the best yeah. football of his career with Arthur Smith. Yeah. It's just, so did Marcus Mariota. Like the few games, not the best football of his career, but like, you, you know what I'm saying? And how did that work out? And so like, oh, I don't but know. I think Ryan Tannehill, even again. at this stage of his career, is a better quarterback than Marcus Mariota was when the Falcons assigned him two yeah. years ago. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, I think Ryan Tannehill makes all the sense in the world. You know who's an interesting guy, though, who has really not really gotten a shot and has played, I mean, got a shot this year because of injury and has played like really, really well is Gardner Minshew. Like Gardner Minshew, for me, if, if he's going to be a lot cheaper than Ryan Tannehill, right? But Tannehill's probably going to want another starting job and would probably end up taking less. And this might be probably is going to be his only chance at that. But in my opinion, it's between Tannehill and 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 Gardner for sure. And I wonder I like if one of these. This is the difference in circumstances that I think is important to acknowledge here with Washington and New England. You are likely going to have first year coaching staffs that are overseeing this. So bringing in a bridge guy that you just want to be a stabilizing force to be somebody that ultimately is going to see the gig to the guy you draft one year, two years down the road, that's fine. And that's why I think Gardner Minshew could make sense as a stopgap in Washington, as a stopgap in New England. Atlanta, you need to win some games right now. You're going to come into next season potentially with a level of urgency in year four if that staff doesn't get fired. Where I think yeah, you that's need what to I was going to ask. Games. Do you think? Do you think Arthur Smith and staff even make it through? I do. I do. I do think that they will get another year, and I think that they're the best outcome for them, in my opinion, is Ryan Tannehill and again trying to find someone in the draft. I don't think you'll be able to go get somebody in the top ten because I don't know. Again, if these three quarterbacks go with the first three picks, who are you going to ultimately take? I think that Ryan Tannehill makes the most sense there on a bunch of different levels. They're going to have a lot of financial flexibility. It just, I think that ultimately would make the most sense in my mind. While also, again, who is your quarterback in the future going to be? And you think about that and the pathways to that guy. Yeah, and I and I like I like what you had too. I mean, you have JJ McCarthy as well, like a like a mid round guy. You, like that that makes a lot of sense. Like Tannehill at th that point in his career is probably going to be like, hey, yeah, I'll play, and yeah, I'll mentor because I'm just trying to get an, another shot at a job. And I I like I like that pairing. It, it, it's a good pairing. I just go back to like, is it gonna? Are they going to be there? And if they're not there, then who who do they go after? Then it, then it's like you get into the whole okay, well, who's the coach? Who's played with? A, it's another veteran, but. It, We'll say that Arthur Smith keeps a job. I like Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, I, I that would that's the one I feel best about. That I think Ryan Tannehill will be in Atlanta if Ryan if Arthur Smith and that staff keep their jobs. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. 
It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Next one here. Las Vegas Raiders. Do you think they will have a new primary starter in 2024? I don't know. I don't know. That was a hard one for me. It's not going to be Jimmy G. I think purely just breaking down what Aiden O'Connell has done this year overall. I know he only completed one pass past the first quarter. They, they still ended up beating the Chiefs. Um, I sort of like I sort of like what he's done. And I don't know if necessarily you're going to just go into it automatically saying, okay, we need to solidify the quarterback position. I don't know because they have the weapons and you give him another year in the offense and it's like, who's the head coach? Like, I think Antonio Pierce has done a hell of a job. If, if they're back, it seems job. like they would be more likely for him to be the quarterback next season. Exactly. And the way it's rolling, dude, like I think he's at least submitted like uh, his resume to the rest of the league. Like it, this is could not have gotten any better for him. And it's just like, once again, if it's not Aiden O'Connell, then you look at all these other lists on the team. You look at Justin Fields as a trade partner. Like, I think that financial flexibility, they could, you said, you know, they can clear 75 million cap space. Like, you're going you're gonna to have your pick of the litter depending on who your coach is. I'll be fascinated to see how this turns out and how much the Aiden O'Connell What do you think? Was. Do you think that it's going to? I don't know. I honestly don't know. And I can see them landing on, landing in a space where they're saying, okay, we have all this money. We think he's done enough. Let's roll with him the same way Washington rolled with Sam Howell last year. And that comes with drawbacks, right? That, that We've seen how that can work out for you. But do they say, we'll spend some money along the offensive line. We already have Adams. We already have Jacoby Myers. It, we can have a new offensive staff come in, but we can tell them, listen, this is the guy that you're attached to. This is the guy that we're going to be rolling with. And that becomes their best option. I can see them talking themselves into that model. I still think this is a unique case where they can really do anything. They have the resources. They have the financial flexibility. So do they look at this and say, we've already got Devontae Adams. We already have Jacoby Myers. We have a franchise left tackle in Colton Miller. We can trade for Kyler Murray and still add a piece or two to the offensive line. And with the way that our defense is playing, can we compete as soon as next year to be a wildcard team, to be a playoff team? Because I think that there's credence to that as well. I, I think there's some validity to thinking that way. This is one where I have no idea what they're going to do and what they should do because there's so much on the table. I just think that, and I'm guilty of it as well, I just think that people today, just they don't give – I mean, Aiden O'Connell's a rookie, right? And so what he's been able to do as a rookie, it's been impressive. Like, like I, I, for some reason, I'm like, oh, he's second and third year because he like looks older. He looks like Farva from <laughs> Super Drew. Like all this – like. He, That's but, an entirely like, different conversation. Whether a guy that looks like that could be a successful NFL quarterback is another discussion for another day. I know. I just can't. I, every time I look at it, I'm like, I don't know. But like, <laughs> I digress and get back to the point is like, I think that what he's done as a rookie, like it's hard to play in the NFL as a rookie. Like, I think he's shown enough to at least be in the conversation to be like, this guy could could win for us and you get him cheap. Right. And so who knows? Who knows what will happen? It's just it's it's a coin flip. You have a new offensive staff halfway through your rookie year. So now you're a guy who's calling plays, who's never called plays before. You've had to turn the page. I understand them landing on that and just saying he's cheap. We'll build up the rest of the roster. We'll build up the rest of the offense. And this is what we'll go with. I could also see a new offensive coaching staff coming in. And if Champ Kelly ends up becoming their GM full time, him being like, this is this was the decision of another general manager and another head coach. We're going to go in a different direction, but that one's going to be fascinating. I, I hey, don't you know, know if I you think he's done enough with, to get the job, but you know, who was with champ Kelly, right? When they in Chicago uh, drafted Justin Fields, right? He was there. That's right. That's right. Just saying. And so th that's another one though. If they were to say, we think that Justin Fields at that price has an upside that is worth chasing. I think he, Justin Fields landing there is another interesting one to me. Last one here, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
Easy. Do you think the that they will have a new primary starter in 2024? No, bro. Baker's balled out under four million dollar deal. That dude's about to get paid. He deserves it, man. Like very rarely do do quarterbacks get like first round quarterbacks get four chances. After your fourth chance, you're done. And this was his fourth chance, and he is completely balled out. They're gonna win the NFC South probably. Like it's he's got Mike Evans playing some of his best. Mike Evans leading the league in touchdown passes. They, they like it's just under first year uh, coordinator Dave Canales, right? And it's mm-hmm. just like what's cool to me is we had a more in depth conversation a couple days ago on, on another show that I was doing. And what's crazy to think about too is why isn't Dave Canales getting more credit for doing what he did with Baker? Because he did it with Geno. He deserves a ton of credit. He did it, but like I feel like no one's talking about him. You know what I mean? And everyone's talking about Baker, but like like Dave Canales has made Baker into what Baker should be. It's an under center play action quarterback, making throws down the field, got that swagger about him, making plays with his legs when he needs to, getting the ball out quickly, throwing to big time receivers, got that run game going. Baker's playing the best ball of his career right now. So I think absolutely uh it was uh, it, you know, he bet on himself. He bet on himself and it was the best bet because he the dude the dude will get paid. Now what the contract looks like, I don't know, and I don't care, but he's he's gonna make some money. That's gonna be the fascinating question is what he ends up getting paid and what that contract ends up being. I don't know the the right answer to that. Because if we're talking about Baker getting the Daniel Jones contract based on the season that he's had, I don't know if that's a good decision by Tampa no, I, Bay. I, I my original thought when I was thinking about this on the plane ride uh here uh, was do a four-year deal where two of it's guaranteed and you're between 28 and 35. Like that's a fair deal to me. Like that, that to me makes sense. You, you guarantee him, Hey, I don't even care what the inflated number is on the four-year deal, but you guarantee him 70 over the life of the contract. Like that's a good deal. Cause I don't know. I don't know if someone else is going to pay him that like it is, you know what I'm saying? Kirk cousins. So the, what, because what's the franchise I, number? Probably be next 30, year, like thirty-five million. Yeah, so, so that makes what, sense. So, so what, why, why I said the Daniel Jones contract is in my in my mind, we still live without a middle class quarterback contract, but that's not true. So we have two contracts that I think are actually very good potential starting places for this. Do you give him the Jimmy G contract, which is three for seventy-two million? Oh yeah, I think that's and that's what the, that's what the Geno contract is as well. I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be more than that. I do. He's played in that, and they're like. Yeah, I don't know. That's hard. That's I think. I think that I think is a reasonable that. place for this to land yeah. for both the Bucks and for Baker. Is that Baker walks away from this with the Jimmy Garoppolo or Geno Smith contract, where you are a starter, you are absolutely our day one starter. We're paying you like a starter, but you are being paid like a low end starter. Even he's played well this year, but we're talking about fifteen games. The guy was almost out of the league. He went to the Rams in the middle of the season last year. He was one of the worst statistical starters in the NFL while he was playing for the Panthers. So I get wanting to commit to him based on the way that he's played and based on the players you have around him and what you could build with, et cetera. But I don't want to put too much in the dozen games that we just watched from Baker Mayfield. But I think I'm with you. I I don't think they go in a different direction, and I can understand them not going in a different direction. You got a lot of those pieces back, right? If you bring back Mike Evans, which I think they absolutely can, he's a franchise legend. You you can bring him back on a relatively palatable deal. You have Chris Godwin there. I think your entire offensive line, essentially, are guys that you drafted or are, are on contracts that are multi-year deals. So I let's be, be real. To win the NFC South, all you have to do is like get around five hundred, and that that's what Baker can get you. He can get you a little bit above five hundred. Because that NFC South is just like ridiculous. I mean, and I'm with you. And I think that uh, Bulls will probably be back. And that means Canales will probably be back. And then you can build on what this has looked like. So I think that Baker has probably played his way into a starting job next year. And I did not necessarily anticipate that when we were coming into the season. All right. That's it. That's our quarterback carousel look for 2024. How do you like being a member of the speculative media? It's it's fun, right? I love to base. It is fun because. You know, if you're wrong, who cares? You know, it's just like, all right. Yeah. But like the speculative stuff, I try to base like myself so much in fact, like fact based, because I'm used to breaking down film and seeing it and being able to tell you exactly what happened. When you told me we were doing the show, I'm like, 
all right. Like, I hope I have enough to say, but it, I, it makes sense when you put all the pieces together and it was an interesting conversation for sure. So this is how this works. In my mind, it's okay. I want to talk about Washington and Sam Howell because we haven't talked about Washington and Sam Howell at all. And he's getting benched. So now what's Washington going to do? Well, if we're going to have that conversation about Washington, there's a whole bunch of these teams that we can have this conversation about that aren't playoff teams. So we're not necessarily breaking them down the same way we are with everyone else at this stage of the calendar. And then the rust thing happens like, all right, here we go. Perfect. It's all unfolding the exact way we want to, because now we are deep in 2024 quarterback <laughs> speculation. Funny. So that is how like my it. fake content machine brain works. So I appreciate you playing along here for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it. It was good. All right, guys, that's all we got for now. Please come back and check out our week 17 preview. Me and Nate recording, same time, same place. That will be available for you guys overnight into Friday. Also, please check out Prospects to Pros. We had another episode this week. We will be back with our week 18, or excuse me, week 17 recap next Monday. So back to your regularly scheduled programming after the holiday. For now, that is all we got. Sincerely appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you soon. This was the Athletic Football Show. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10 place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.